Thank you for listening to the Reconnect Marriage Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Call. And I'm Lisa Call. And we are dedicated to having conversations that cultivate connection in our marriage. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us in this podcast today. Lisa and I are having a conversation with each other uh, along the lines of uh, reflection versus reaction. Uh, and, and what we mean by this is, you know, often in our marriage and a relationship, uh, we have uh, we have just reactions. We have reactions to situations. We have reactions to interactions. Uh, we have reactions to one another when there's a maybe a fundamental difference about an idea or a belief or an opinion. Uh, and and I think for if if all of us were in the same room, we could all raise our hands and say, "Yeah, that's true for us too." We we sometimes have a hard time being present uh, to the others. Uh, Offering, and we'll get more into what we mean by that in a few minutes. But uh, the way in which the other is in the world, thinks in the world, lives in the world, bees in the world—that uh, sometimes we bees in the world, be, <laughs> be, <laughs> be being be how they be. Uh, there are a lot of bees. There lately. are a lot of bees lately. It is spring. We do have a lot of bees, don't we? Uh, you know, it, we have these wasps that hang, and and I got up on the ladder yesterday, and I sprayed this stuff, and. Unfortunately, the wasps are no longer alive. But I thought, what is in that stuff? Like that stuff has to be so toxic. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually hoping that you could actually remove the whole wasp nest, oh, and it's, it's still there. It is still and there. I was trying to figure out how to bring that up. Like I like. That I know it's still you there. sprayed them. They're 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 no longer a bother. I know, but now they know. Like, hey, there's a nice house. Let's okay. go back in. So, anyway, maybe you could take care of that. Okay, where were we? Uh, I said B. <laughs> how they be in the world. Uh, there, I think just think this is a, a theme in my clinical work too with couples where one of the partners and or both spouses can become somewhat preoccupied uh, with how the other is in the world and they can be frustrated, irritated, bothered. To me, that's actually what leads to contempt over time is if we are preoccupied with how the other ought to be different or needs to be different. So there's two things that we're going to highlight in this conversation. One is how do we navigate difference well, um, but also how how do we re, how do we reflect? Meaning, how are we present when the other offers us something, reveals something, shares something, and we don't we just have a, a, a reaction uh, rather than a reflection. So so the the theme topic today is reflection versus reaction. One of the uh, things that happened for us recently was you had a, I would say, uh, I don't know if you would call it a difficult dream, but you woke up the other morning and you were feeling something. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a dream. I just, I woke up, I, and I don't even know what triggered it really, but um, we we live kind of out in some farmland and kind of away from people and... um it's been about six years so that we left the city and, and that was always a, a little bit difficult for me, but, but we are enjoying it. But sometimes I do feel lonely. I'm out here kind of further away from people and, and I don't know what it triggered. Maybe it's because it's your birthday was coming up or I don't know, we're getting older. And I just had this fear that, oh my gosh, you're going to die first and you're going to leave me alone on this mm-hmm. farm <laughs> far away from everybody. And I just really had a panicky feeling when I woke up, like, my goodness, I'm going to be out here on my own. Mm. 
And um, it just it just really hit me that morning. And so when I brought it up, um, I don't think you were expecting it at all, right? It just was kind of out of the blue. Oh, and no. I said, I I know how how was your morning? Well, I, I woke up feeling like this, and I think you were a little bit shocked. I was a little shocked. I was surprised. I was caught off guard. Because what was your answer? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you want me to say what I said instead of you telling everybody what I said? I, I just didn't have a very kind response or a good response. Well, I think you I were mean, being playful. I, well, I was right. sort of being playful, but I was also being You're kind um, of irritated. practical, which often when one, one of us, when a partner spouse shares something, particularly in the realm of emotion, there's often a reaction to it. Uh, especially if we don't know what to do or we think it's a solution-oriented moment. Uh, as we've talked about before, there sometimes we can have a left-brain response, which is logic and reasoning, to a right-brain state of emotion, which that's a very simplified version of it. But you were in a right, we just say a right-brain state. You were feeling some which fear. Which means, right-brain means? Right-brain means emotion. It means anxiety. It means feelings. fear. It means feelings, yes. Not, not necessarily rational. Not, not necessarily, necessarily logical, rational, just... not logical. And yet we are often met. Often I might, you might, the other responds with a left-brain response. <laughs> My, I think I just blurted it out. Well, you, I, you remember you remember where the will is, right? The will is in the top drawer of the file cabinet. got all practical on me. <laughs> Which, which I don't often do, but sometimes do. We all, we all do that. And, that. and I think the practical response was more out of the illusion that that's what alleviates fear, worry, anxiety, etc. That sometimes our reaction of practicality, of solution, sometimes is the, our, our belief is that's a either temporary or permanent way to help the other. Yeah. And sometimes and I- it can be. Like we don't want to always dismiss it. We don't always say that right brain always requires right brain, but for the most part, it does. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a logical left brain oriented, solution oriented, practically oriented response can be helpful, but not in, hey, the will's in the top. But in this situation, it was not helpful. And (laughs) I, if I wasn't feeling as emotional, then after you said that, I'm pretty sure I started to cry. You did. And I got even more emotional because it was like, now I even feel more lonely. Yeah. Um, and there's something about that, you know, when we're feeling, when we're in our right brain and we're feeling some kind of emotion mm-hmm. or some kind of fear that's irrational or yeah. illogical or it doesn't match the moment, well, it just kind of pops up and well, the other doesn't respond, you know, in an empathetic way or a reflective way. Um, I think it can even make us feel even more lonely and more um, lost in that emotion. Like more, just maybe more confused, alone in it, and yeah. confused. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's definitely mm. what I felt because hmm. it sort of reiterated that feeling. Like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this, and now I'm feeling alone in this. And so I think, I think it's a common, I think it's a common dynamic between us, between lots of couples, where I'm, I really don't get what you're going through right now. I really, I wasn't ready for it, or I don't even understand it. There's so many things that. We don't understand about each other. Why would you be afraid of that? Or why would that be hard for you? And this, it's not hard for me. Mm. And and then when we have a response that doesn't connect with empathy or doesn't reflect back, I hear you. I'm trying to understand you. I, I may not understand it, but I'm trying. You know, I'm listening. Um, I think it makes us feel even more 
of what we're feeling, you know, because it feels like now I'm alone in it. Yeah, and and what's difficult for those of us that are hearing it or listening or receiving what the other's offering, when it doesn't make sense to us or we don't quite connect or we can't quite feel the same or whatever it might be, there is just this mm, unspoken maybe sense of helplessness or futility. And so there, there's just a reaction to try to help. And, and sometimes the reaction can be unkind. It can be uh, walking away. It can be, well, why would you think that? Or why would you feel that way? It, it can have this, this feeling of judgment. And I think that's what we're also trying to connect to in the realm of difference is when you have a different emotion or a different experience or a different belief about something, or sometimes I, we, we can't, we can't quite resonate with it or we can't quite connect or we can't quite make sense of it, or it's just not the same for us. And so I think that's, that's the bind is, um, part of it is I, I, I don't know if it's just out of futility or it's just out of a sense of helplessness, but it sometimes is just a way to not just get out of the moment, but a way to r- r- alleviate the pain or suffering or the hurt or the botheredness or the frustration of the other. So it's a, it's a, there's a complexity to it that that's part of what we really want to highlight is that sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we don't know how to respond. Sometimes we just have a reaction thinking this is what would be helpful mm-hmm. uh, because it catches us off guard. It surprises us. I'm not, I'm not sure what to do. So, we do something, and in the doing of something, that's actually the last thing the other needs. So I like the imagery of reflection. We like the imagery of reflection because think of it from almost like a mirror, that we are the mirror sometimes for the other. Uh, we we actually, at the grad school, at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology that, that I teach at, that we do conferences with, we train students to be therapists, and, and one of the imageries is reflection, that the therapist's role, the counselor's role is to reflect, is actually to, it, it's naming, putting words to what he or she sees, feels about or with the other. And that's part of, I think, the the privilege of marriage is it's a reflective stance uh, that as you come to me with what you said, yeah, I, I miss the moment and we miss the moments. And the, here's, if we could have a video, we could say, I think we were probably three or four minutes in, it wasn't going well. And then we said, hey, let's let's try again. Let's have a redo. Let's start over. And it, it went pretty well from that, um, which I think that's one of the most helpful ways that we have re-engaged difficult moments over the last, I would say, probably five, eight years for you and I. And for those of you listening, but also couples that we work with, it's that the redo is is so essential to repair. Let's try again. And it takes a freaking amount of courage to put words to that, to actually ask to name, let's try that again. Especially hand. when it doesn't go well, because yeah. it's like, why would we want to do that again? <laughs> it, right. it was hard and frustrating. And now um, it, do, it does not come natural. So no. we, I mean, actually some really good friends of ours shared that they do that. And mm-hmm. we started trying that. And it's taken a while for it to stick because your first inclination is, I don't want to do that again, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but it has been helpful. Yeah, so we were sitting out on the porch, and you know, I said, "Hey, remember? I think the whale's in the top right drawer." And you're like, uh, "That's not what I need. Uh, that's not really that helpful." I think I felt like slapping you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and here here's where for for all of us in this moment, uh, we have a choice, and the choice is to defend my response, to say, "What's wrong with you? I was just trying to be helpful," uh, and or. We, we have a choice to say, wait a minute, um, 
that wasn't what you needed. Uh, can I try again? Can we try again? Mm-hmm. And and I hope you, those of you listening, can hear maybe the courage that that takes, the vulnerability that that offers. And again, also that this is a newer development for us, and 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 I think for so many of us especially earlier in marriage, I I would have longed for that to have been offered, like a way of engaging one another when you miss the other. Uh, How do we honor the need of the other when we miss the mark, when we weren't what the other needed, for whatever reason, uh, to be intentional about the, hey, let's try again, or can we start over, or uh, can I have another shot at that, or whatever whatever phrase works for you as a couple. What's often difficult, though, and this is true for couples that I work with and for you and I, is that when we miss the mark, when we aren't what the other needs, this is where we can quickly go to a defensive posture. And the defensive posture is usually connected to, to shame mm-hmm. that I that I miss the mark. Um, and we can't bear that. Right. And it's one of those moments where we both feel shame at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Because the one sharing maybe feels missed and the other one feels, oh, I did it wrong. And so now there's this shame to shame contact, yeah. you know, that mm. has a, a really good potential for getting really stuck. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the hardest part is, is when we aren't what the other needs, when we just have a, a reaction versus a reflection is, is the courage I think it takes to say, hang on. Uh, I think I was reacting uh, more than reflecting. Uh, can, can I or we have a, a, an, another try, again. try mm-hmm. or a different chance mm-hmm. uh, in, in those kinds of moments? Mm-hmm. Um, I love a response that we have gotten better and better at. And this is one of the things that you taught um, in your classes. And it's just this simple phrase. And I know we've said it before, these two little words, of course. Mm. And um, those are powerful words. I, I mean, I find myself using them with lots of people, but really in between us, I think we've gotten better at facing whatever conversation comes up and whatever difficulty, it almost fits every difficulty because it's a very empathetic response, right? To say, of course, you know, of course you feel like that. Because even though we might not get it, we might not have been prepared for it, we might not really understand it, but when we understand more and more where the other's coming from, which comes from getting to know each other's story, and we talk about that a lot, but really understanding, you know, you're understanding my story better about my loneliness, and it comes out in all different ways. And and we'll talk about an example for you, but like my understanding of your story, I can and be so much more empathetic knowing those stories. And then the response of, of course, you feel like that because of all that you've endured, because of you know, the stories that you faced because of your family dynamic. You know, there's so many reasons that there, that there could be an of course. And there's something of a healing balm when, when someone says, of course, you feel like that. I think the difficulty uh, is what happens when we don't agree or we don't see it the same way mm-hmm. or, you know, that, that of course doesn't imply, doesn't, here, here's the, the, Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Good word. Uh, is that of course doesn't imply agreement, right. meaning we don't we don't necessarily have to be on the same page or agree or um, it's not required. It's not a prerequisite uh, in order to validate or offer. Of course, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I have to feel the same way, think the same way. Um, but the moment that we 
our our belief, our need, our thought, our feeling supersedes the others, the others, then that can imply uh, what you are thinking or feeling is less than something's wrong with you. And so I, I I like that that the of course is yes connected to story, connected to the awareness of what's bringing that up for that person, but where we can get stuck is sometimes in those moments when we how do I offer validation when I don't agree or I don't feel the same way or I don't think the same way? That's okay. Uh, it's not meant to say you ought to feel and think the same way. It, rarely do we ever think or feel the same yeah. way about anything. <laughs> At least for us. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. And I think that's where couples get so stuck is, well, that's not what I think or that's not what I feel or that's not the same for me or you're you're particular you know you're bothered by this and I'm not we we all have a almost an endless list where we have moments that the other is experiencing thinking feeling something and we don't quite get it it doesn't make sense to us right and and we spend so many waking hours we spent years yeah, trying years. to get on the same page like let me help you understand why mm. I believe this or or you know we're just almost out of a need to convince. Yeah, almost yeah. and we spent so many years of that and then we we came to a point where we realized what is the point of that? There's really not a point except for you're going to go round and round trying to convince each other. And yeah, sometimes you have to make a decision about things, but a lot of times and one of the big things I think we learned was to be able to make that space for difference and mm. actually bless the difference and understand that there's going to be difference in almost everything we do and everything we talk about. And that what, you know, where's the defensiveness coming from? Why, why, what's my need to make sure that you think the same way I do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think once we begin to come to terms with, yeah, wh why do we need that? Maybe we don't need that. Maybe we can have two, two different opinions, two different ways of understanding each other and understanding life and, and leaning more into understanding rather than, trying to convince and be on the same page. Yeah, recently I was sitting with a couple, working with them therapeutically, and she was having, a, I'll just say, a difficult uh, interaction with a particular family member. And uh, the family member was, I'll just say, being fairly unkind and dismissive uh, toward my client, one of the spouses in the marriage. And the other just had this again almost automatic reactive statement of well it's no big deal that and and those words are are almost uh, we could say debilitating words because when we hear judgment around our experience or what we're thinking or what we're feeling like it's no big deal what's wrong with you uh it, it's it's not that big of a problem what she said to you it it completely minimizes and dismisses and us and our experience. And I think that's the the core part of our fear just gets so activated is that what's wrong with me that I think this way or what's wrong with me that I feel this way. Like you said earlier, it's a it's a very lonely moment when we are met with some form of judgment toward it, toward what it is that we're experiencing or feeling. Uh, rather than of course, yeah, of course that feels frustrating that your mom said that to you, or of course it's frustrating that your dad reacted that way to you, or of course it's frustrating that your coworker was mm, fill in the blank. Like, like there's just such a, oh, when validation with something like of course is offered in those moments of reflection, it, it, it reminds us that we're not alone. And I think that's the, the overwhelming core fear that we all have, whether or not we want to own that, that's up to you, those of you listening, but 
The core fear is abandonment. The core fear is loneliness. The core fear is that I will be alone in what it is that I'm experiencing. And so the validation, the understanding comes in those, yes, words like, of course, or I can see how that was difficult for you. or And and it 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 is, for many of us, the bind in that is that wasn't modeled in our story. It wasn't modeled for us when we were in third grade and somebody was unkind to us and we had a kind parent be attuned to us. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that was hard. And I'm sorry you didn't make the team in seventh grade and that must have been really difficult for you. Like that's that's what we need in those moments. It helps us even at an early age remind us that we're not alone in the experience. So no matter what our age, we can be five and we could be 50. It really doesn't matter. It's that when we have an experience, whether we have a relational experience, a a fear, worry, concern, anxiety, all of the above. The desire is that the other matches or meets it with a reflection of, oh yeah, I could see that it's true for you, or I could see that it'd be hard for you, or I could see that it'd be difficult for you. And that that's about as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I use this, the time frame of what I've said, 30 seconds. That when couples are interacting about something like what we're talking about, Maybe one is bringing, you know, something that was difficult or hard or, or frustrating or sad or uh, ang- they're feeling anxious about and then fill in the blank, something like that, that, that we, we really just need moments of 30 seconds. 30 seconds meaning the, the amount of time that it actually takes to offer validation, to offer presence. Oh, yeah, I could say that was hard for you and I could say that was difficult for you. And for many of us, again, we might say, but I don't know how to... I don't know how to put those into words because that wasn't part of my story. That wasn't what was modeled for me. And we're saying it's like sometimes feels like a foreign language. Mm-hmm. It can feel awkward. It can feel it can feel clumsy, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or or our body is having a, a really strong reaction, mm-hmm. you know, because you know when I brought that up with you, or you know somebody brings up something that's kind of maybe emotionally volatile. You know, the other person could feel a lot in their body. They could feel anxious. They could feel fear. They could feel. And so sometimes I think we react out of just what our body feels sometimes. And, and so I think the more practice we have with, um, I don't know, just being prepared in any, you know, any conversation that I'm going to listen and I'm going to understand and not walk around with this sense of everything's got to be a certain way, you know? And so when we have that sense that I can just let you be who you are and say, wow, of course you might feel that way. Even though my body might be having some feelings about what you said or how you're feeling. I mean, I think the other day you brought up finances, you were really frustrated about finances. Mm-hmm. You were getting upset you were kind of getting stressed and, yeah. and I wasn't having that same feeling and it was hard to match. And I, I could feel like I could go either way with this. I could be like, what is the big deal? We're fine. You know, I can go that whole little route. And yet for you, it was, it was just a conversation you needed validation with like, okay, I need to hear you. And so. That was a great, you had a great response. I think, I think we, you know, we have that moment where we can go kind of either way. We can try to shut this down, Mm -hmm. you know, which doesn't ever really work, but we keep trying it because we just want to shut it down. Like, that's dumb. That's silly. I don't want to waste time talking about that. I, we was going to sabotage the day, you know, yeah. all of these things. And so it's kind of like we get at a crossroads where we get to decide, am I going to respond in a way that sort of honors what you're feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like the way you put that. It's that it, at times it, it, it can be somewhat of a conscious choice 
and and our hope for those of you listening is that it, that over time we develop this awareness, the capacity to offer reflection rather than reaction, and maybe that becomes your new mantra. Maybe that is on your little post-it note wherever you keep post-it notes, or it's on your notes on your phone. But like something in this mindfulness coming back to returning to uh, the awareness, how how soothing, kind, caring, connecting, offering a reflection can be toward our spouse rather than a reaction. The Reconnect Marriage Podcast is hosted by the Reconnect Institute. For more information, you can find us on the web at thereconnectinstitute.com. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Reconnect Marriage. <laughs>